Father, that's why we're here this morning. That's why we come to your word every day, but we come to your word every week as well because we want to hear you speak. We want your words to, to, to wash over us and to bring cleansing and healing and direction and strength to us. And so, Father, we pray that you would do that now for each one of us as we, as we come to your word. Strengthen us and heal us. Give us the peace that we need. Equip us through your word to go out into the world and, and live the life you've called us to live. And so, Father, we know there's all these things that can distract us from, from hearing what you have to say. And so we just pray that you would push all of that off to the side so that we could hear you speak clearly and powerfully to each one of us this morning. Father, we pray that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, we're on to John chapter 5, and a pretty familiar story, I would say, Um, but I may end up taking this in a direction that is unfamiliar, possibly. Um, But we'll read the passage, and then we'll dive in. It's John chapter 5, verses 1 through 18. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn John chapter 5, verses 1 through 18, Um, Otherwise, the passage will be on the screen as well. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. I'm not going to mention this later, but remember, he was in Galilee. He had gotten out of Jerusalem because of all of the problems that were happening in Jerusalem. He got out of Jerusalem, went up to Galilee. Now, sometime later, he's back in Jerusalem. So that's kind of John giving us a sign of something's going to happen. Uh, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now, there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, He asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working. 
For this reason, the Jews tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. It was uh, a couple weeks ago that we we were talking, um, going through John, and Jesus had talked to his disciples and told them, you know, open your eyes, look around you, the fields are are ripe for harvest. And so I had encouraged our our congregation to, to go out as you go to the grocery store, as you go to work, as you go to your families, open your eyes, try to look at the world around you and see if you can see the, the harvest out in the, in the community. And uh, I hope that you did that. I hope that you are doing that. I encourage you to keep on doing that, keep going out with your eyes kind of opened to the harvest around you because what ends up happening is you begin to kind of see the world a little differently and you begin to see people in different ways than you would normally see them, not just as a person you ran into at the grocery store, but you begin to kind of see deeper what's maybe going on inside them. And that can be hard because when you go out, you begin to run into people who you could just see it on their face or as you start talking to them, you could see it on their face that they feel trapped and lonely and longing, and uh, they don't feel like they have a way out of the situation. They just, they kind of feel trapped, and they're just kind of longing for some miracle, something that can help them. Encounter people who trapped in addiction, they feel that, right? They're, they're, they kind of feel just trapped in it, like trying to get out, trying all these different ways to get out, but just keep getting sucked back into it, and don't know how to get out and just feel trapped and just kind of hoping, longing for some kind of a miracle to come in and save you from that. And Jesus' question comes, I think, into these types of situations where it says, do you want to be healed? And and really the question is, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but really the question is not do you want to be healed, but do you really want to be healed? run into people as you go out in the community. You're going to run into people all the time who feel trapped in a dead-end job, living in a broken-down house, driving a broken-down car, going paycheck to paycheck, not knowing how to get out, not feeling like they're, they're kind of alone. They don't have someone to come along and help them, kind of longing for some kind of a miracle that's just going to help them get through the day. And Jesus comes to them and says, do you want to be healed? Do you, do you really want to be healed? On the flip side, you, you'll encounter people who are chasing after money and fame and, and the wheels are kind of always spinning. They're always trying to climb the ladder, but they're never high enough in the ladder. They're never famous enough. They never have enough money. They're always striving, never there. They're just kind of trapped in that. They're kind of longing for a miracle that's going to get them to the peak where they want to be. And Jesus comes to them too and says, do you want to be healed? Do you, do you really want to be healed? You run into people who, who live their lives just full of anxiety and worry and fear. They're, they're kind of, every time something happens, kind of the worst pops into their, into their head, and they're, they're kind of worried what's going to happen around the next corner. They're, they're just always kind of afraid of what's coming, hoping that by some miraculous means the worst didn't happen. And Jesus comes and says, do you want to be healed? And, and do you really want to be healed? Counter other people who live their lives always trying to measure up, 
always kind of worried about everybody else's um, opinion of them. They're always kind of wearing a mask, always kind of putting on a show, always afraid that other people might be looking down on them. And Jesus, kind of hoping for a miracle in that, and Jesus comes in and says, do you want to be healed? And, and do you really, really want to be healed? Um, like, these are all different forms of situations that, that we see in this story with this man. Um, we, it kind of sets the stage for us, this area, the, these porticos or colonnades or other translations will say porches. It's just an area to be around a pool. There's five of them. And in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew that he had already been there a long time. And so the the picture that's being painted is, as as you're in Jerusalem, there's this pool there, the pool of Bethesda, and, and everyone thinks that the pool has some kind of healing, miraculous properties to it. And and so there's flocks of of people who are blind and lame and paralyzed. They're all going to the pool and they're they're laying all around this pool, hoping, longing for a miracle that's going to get them out of their situation that they feel trapped in. They think the only way I can ever get out of this is if some miracle happens. And so they're they're coming there. And and one man Jesus sees and, and he knows that this man had been paralyzed for 38 years years. And he had been longing and waiting to be healed, looking for a miracle. And it says when Jesus saw him, he knew that the man had been there for a long time. He had been laying by the pool for a really long time, longing, hoping that something would happen to heal him, to to get him out of the situation that he felt trapped in. And even the man, when Jesus talks to him, the man describes his own situation. He says, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water stirred up. And while I'm going down, another steps down before me. You could, like, he has this sense of just aloneness. I'm, I'm lame. I'm, I'm paralyzed. I've been 38 years. I've been laying by this pool for a long time. Nobody's helping me. I'm just stuck here, trapped. As soon as I think I'm about to get to where I'm going to be healed, Someone beats me down into the pool. And so he's stuck. He's been longing. He's been at that pool for a long time. We don't know how long, but he's been there for a long time, wanting to be healed. And the healing hasn't come. And he keeps on waiting, and it doesn't come, and it doesn't come, and it doesn't come. And so Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And I think, just in the context of the passage and the way this is written, there's this sense here where it's, do you really want to be healed? I think, do you want to be healed? The guy's kind of like, duh. Why do you think I'm here? Like, Jesus isn't a dummy. That's not what Jesus thinks. He's coming up to the man saying, do you really want to be healed? Uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation about why is Jesus asking the man if he wants to be healed. 
Um, I've heard, I've said this myself before, like Jesus was just getting the man to admit that he needed help before he brought healing. The guy had to admit that he needed to say, I've heard that before. I don't think that's actually what's going on. Um, Because the man obviously was admitting that he needed help. That's why he was there at the pool. Um, I think this sense of, do you really, do you really want to be healed is, is pointing out to the man's futile attempts to be healed in the wrong places. Looking to this pool for healing. Jesus says, you've been coming here for a really long time. You've been looking to be healed by this pool, by this miraculous water. You've been looking to be healed here for a long time. You haven't been healed yet. Now, do you really want to be healed? You're you're looking in all the wrong places to be healed. And it really follows a, a, a theme that we've seen throughout the Gospel of John, this theme that's connected with water, which I, I, I don't fully understand all of it yet. I, I'll admit, this kind of, I just saw it this week. But back in chapter 2, when Jesus does his first miracle, what, what was involved there? Water. 180 gallons of purification water that the Jews looked to to this is going to purify us. This is going to cleanse us. And Jesus is like, no, this water is actually not good enough. I'm going to make it into wine that is so much better. It's something greater. Chapter 4, what do we see? A woman at a well looking for hope and trust and peace and comfort for the water that's coming from the well. And Jesus goes, you know, this water is only going to satisfy you a little bit. I've got water that will truly satisfy, that will bring you it's, it's living water. Now we see a man at a pool looking for hope and healing and trust and comfort from the, this water, and Jesus is coming in and saying, this water is not going to ultimately heal you. This, like, you need to look higher. You need to look deeper to something, to someone that will truly heal you. And so he says, do you, do you really want to be healed? Do you want to stop looking in all the wrong places to be healed? Do you want to really be healed and look to me? And what's really interesting is the man actually didn't get it. And Jesus still, my clickers, there we go. Jesus still heals him. Jesus says, get up, take up your bed, walk. And at once the man was healed, he took up his bed and walked. And what Jesus is doing is he's showing this man where true healing comes. Not from the water. Not from someone carrying him into the water. But from Jesus. I am the one who can... And he takes this man from like, who's been struggling for 38 years and longing and hoping for a miracle. And in a moment, changes everything. And uh, I, I, I read this line. I had to share it. Herman Ritterboss has this great... He says, the paralytic, for the paralytic to carry his mat, or his pallet, that's an old school, home manifested the reversal of his fortunes. No longer does the bed carry a powerless man, but with vitality, with strength to spare, this man carries his bed. And, and it's a beautiful picture that, like, the man was carried into the pool on a mat. And Jesus comes in and says, now you're going to pick up the mat that carried you, and you're going to carry that out of here to show to show the work that I just did, the healing that I just brought on you. 
And he does this powerful reversal in just a moment. The guy didn't have to get carried into the water. He didn't just, Jesus just spoke. And it happened. And what's powerful about it is like 38 years of struggling and longing and suffering was changed in a moment by, by Jesus. Um, that's a long time to just feel trapped and, and lonely and, and longing. And Jesus moves in a moment. And, and Calvin had another great line I just had to share. He, he says, this is a reminder for just each one of us. However long we may be held in suspense, Though we groan under our distress, let us never be discouraged by the tediousness of the lengthened period. For when our afflictions are long continued, though we discover no termination of them, still we ought always to believe that God is a wonderful deliverer who by his power easily removes every obstacle out of the way. I've never had to wait I've never had to wait 38 years for anything. I'm just a little over 38. <laughs> um, I don't know what that means, what that even feels like to wait 38 years. And Calvin says, even if it's 38 years, don't lose hope. Don't be discouraged. Jesus can come in in a moment and remove it all. And the question is, do you want to be healed? Do you, do you really want to be healed? Um, but there's more than just this healing at, going on in this in the story and most of most of the time i hear the story told and preached on that's the focus but but jesus interacts with this man again i think that helps us understand more of what's going on i think this second interaction is really one of the main points of the whole passage jesus runs into the man again at the temple and he says to the man see you're well sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you and that's been a confusing passage for, for a lot of people because in a few chapters later, like I think it's John 9, we're going to hear Jesus, are go, or the disciples are going to ask Jesus, why is this man blind? Is it because of his sin or his parents' sin? And Jesus says, you're wrong on both accounts. Like it's not because of his sin that he's blind. And so people are like, well, Jesus says, like, this is not the case. So why is he telling this man Stop sinning so that nothing worse may happen to you. What's, why is he saying that? There's two options. I think one's better. Um, but one option is that it actually is possible that this man's sin had caused his, his illness and his disability. Um, sometimes we make the mistake when Jesus says it's not always the case that someone's sin can cause a disability or an illness. We make the assumption that that's never the case. And Jesus didn't say that. He said, that's not always, don't assume that. Just because someone's sick or, or disabled or whatever doesn't mean like oh, they must have sinned. That he's, but that doesn't mean it couldn't be the case. Um, we hurt ourselves all the time <laughs> because of our own sin. I, I've got scars <laughs> all over my body because of my own stupidity and sin. Um, and so it's a thing. And so one of the possibilities is that Jesus is coming up to this man and saying, sin is what got you in this place, got you there in the first place. I've healed you. Now stop sinning so that nothing, nothing worse happens to you. That's possible. I don't think that's what's going on. I think Jesus is still pressing this question upon the man. Um, do you really 
want to be healed. Um, and Jesus is pointing out to the man, because it doesn't make sense why he, stops, he goes to the man, see, you're well. Why is he pointing that out? It's kind of a random, like, did Jesus, was Jesus surprised? <laughs> like, oh, look, you did get better. No. Jesus is pointing out to the man, look, you've been healed physically. A miracle has happened in your life. You can walk, you can carry your mat, you've been healed physically. But there's a deeper healing that you need. You, you, your soul is still dead. And so if you really want to be healed, turn from your sin. Be cleansed. Be forgiven. Be restored. Be healed. Um, and if you do that, you'll be on the path toward eternal life. But if you don't do that, something worse will happen to you. You'll end up under the judgment of God. And you will spend eternity in hell. And that's way worse than being an invalid for 38 years. And what Jesus is telling him is that, like, this healing was powerful and miraculous, and, and it's great. You can walk again. But if you don't turn to me and receive forgiveness for your sins, this healing will mean nothing. You'll just walk your way down the path toward death and destruction. And what, this, what Jesus is doing, he's doing the same thing he did last week. He's never satisfied with just the physical healing. Last week when he healed the official's son, remember he rebuked the man for having this fault, faulty understanding because Jesus is like, the healing's not enough. I, I don't, the physical healing, it's a powerful thing, but, but I want it to do something to your soul. I want you to see me. I want to see your soul healed. And so he's taking this man and saying, I healed you physically, yes, but what I want from that is for your soul to be healed. I want you to turn away from your sin and turn to me. And sadly, what we see is the next words we read, this must be dying, the man went away. He didn't believe. Jesus looks at the man and says, I've healed you. See how I've healed you. Now I'm saying, turn away from your sin and turn to me. And what he did was he turned away from Jesus. And then he went to the Jews. Um, which is the opposite of what we read last week, right? Last week, the, the guy comes to him and Jesus heals his son and the man sees the healing of his son and then he sees Jesus clearly through the healing and he believes in Jesus, and he receives life, and his whole family receives life. But this week, the man receives the healing, and Jesus says, now, there's something deeper I have to offer you. Do you really want to be healed? And the man says, nah, I'm good enough. I can walk now. I'm good. And, and Ritterboss says this is a portrayal of people who will not let themselves be moved to enter the kingdom of God by Jesus' power and words, no matter how liberating the effects of those words. This, is, this represents a particular response to the gospel. And I think we all think that if Jesus did that kind of a miraculous healing on your life, I believe I would follow him the rest of my life. The reality is, no, 
I mean, shoot, I, I've been reflecting lately just on my own miraculous healing. You know, it was just a little over a year ago. And uh, I think that was a miraculous healing on me. And yet I go day to day just kind of acting like nothing ever happened. You just get back. You just start living and you just kind of go on. I have to remind myself. This has been a reminder for me this week. Um, and so, but there are some people who would even see this kind of a miracle and be like, I'm good. Um, and that's this man. Jesus says, do, do you want to be healed? Do you, do you really want to be healed? And he's like, I'm good with just being able to walk again. I don't really need anything else. As long as, as, long as I can walk, I'm good. And yet he would spend the rest of his life still trapped, still longing, still needing a miracle. Um, it's a lot worse. Uh, physical illnesses stink. They're hard. They're, they're difficult, right? I know how tough that is, but, but having your soul just a mess, um, feeling your soul trapped to despair, that's way worse. And this man would now spend the rest of his life with that trap. Hopefully not. Hopefully he turned eventually. We don't know. But the question is, do you want to be healed? Really healed? There's another thread that, that kind of passes through this story, and I'm not going to focus on it much this morning uh, because everything that happens in the rest of the chapter spends a lot of time focusing on this. So I'm just going to briefly mention it. We'll talk about it more next week. But, of course, when the man turns away from Jesus, he goes to who? It says the Jews, which John usually is meaning like the Jewish leaders. He, the man turns from Jesus and goes back to the Jewish leaders and goes, I found the guy that healed me. Go get him. Don't get me. Go get him. And then we read this last line of the, of the story that kind of summarizes all of this. It says, that's why the, the Jews or the Jewish leaders were seeking all the more to kill Jesus. Because he was not only, not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with John, with, <laughs> with God. He was not equal with John. <laughs> making himself equal with God. But this, this kind of last statement is, is John giving us a tip to, kind of a hat tip and understanding of what's, what's actually going on between Jesus and the Jewish leaders. Why are, why are they trying to kill him? And John's saying, on the surface, it's Sabbath. But that's not really the main issue. Like, yeah, they're angry. They see Jesus talking and acting in ways that they didn't think he should be talking and acting on the Sabbath. That, that's angering them, and they're kind of getting frustrated with that. But, but there's that but in the middle. But he was even calling God his own father making himself equal with God. And John says, underneath the Sabbath stuff, like that was just the symptom. Underneath that, they wanted to kill Jesus because he was calling God his own father. He was making himself equal to God. And he was living and acting and speaking as if he was equal to God, or even as if he was God himself. And that's why they were trying to kill him. And actually, the sense of this is they weren't just, they were continually seeking to kill him. Like, every moment, they were trying to figure out ways to kill him from this point on. 
Every time they saw him, they were thinking, what can we do to kill him? Because he had made himself equal with God. And this, and part of the reason why I'm emphasizing this now, we're going to talk about some of the Sabbath stuff later, but the reason why Jesus did this miracle is to show that he's the son of God, the Messiah, that he's equal with God. Uh, Remember, I mentioned this a long time ago, but throughout John, he doesn't actually call miracles miracles. He calls them signs because a sign's always pointing to something. So Jesus isn't just doing miracles kind of willy-nilly. Every miracle that Jesus is doing is a sign. It's, It's telling us something about who he is. And this is a sign where Jesus is saying, I am the son of God. I have the authority to do this kind of work on the Sabbath. I have the ability and the power to heal this man. I'm the author of salvation and life, or I would say he's saying, I am the true healer. Not the well, not the pool. I am the true healer, and I can heal people body and soul, because I am the Son of God, the Messiah. And so he's, he's showing himself to be that powerfully, and the Jews are seeing that clearly, and they're saying, we got to kill this guy. And those are the responses that, that we get. Um, and you're going to see this throughout John he, he shows, like, when we see Jesus clearly as being the Son of God, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, or today, the true healer, your heart goes one way or the other. You, it either goes, I, can't, I hate him. Or you go, that's the man I want to follow. That's the God I want to follow. I trust him. I believe in him. I give my life to him. Um, and, and really one of the convicting parts of this whole story is that I think even, even, you know, definitely before we were believers, we responded just like this man did. We see God's blessing and healing and, and we just turn our backs and walk away. Um, but I think we often do this even as believers, our sinful nature is still hanging on there. And, uh, and we receive physical blessing after physical blessing poured out on us by God. And then we walk away going, it's good enough for me. I'm good with that. And Jesus comes in and says, yeah, but do you really want to be healed? I think we, you know, I gave all those different stories at the beginning. The people who are, feel trapped in a dead-end job, feel striving for power and fame, striving for money, feel trapped in a sickness or an illness, trapped in all these, trapped in addiction, and we go, God, I'm good if you just free me from my addiction. I'm good. I don't need anything else. I'm, I'm good if you just, like, get me a better job. I'm, I'm good if you get me a promotion. I'm good if... And Jesus says, you're not good if all you're receiving is physical healing and blessing from me. Actually, none of that's going to do you any good because it's all going to just fade away and disappear and won't last. And he says, do you really want to be healed? Deeper than just the physical needs that you're struggling with, do you really want to be healed in your body and in your soul? 
because I can do that. But you have to look to me. You have to turn to me. You have to stop trusting in, in all of these other things that, that aren't gonna actually lead to life and health and, and peace. You have to turn from your sin and you have to grab a hold of Jesus Christ and say, I believe that you're the son of God. You're the Messiah and I give my life to you. You're the one who can truly heal me, not just physically, not just my situation in life, but like deep, deep down in my soul, you can heal me. And so you come to him and you say, heal me. Really, really heal me deep down to the core of who I am. And what I mentioned last week, one of the things that John tells us is part of coming to Jesus for that healing, part of true belief that leads to that healing is believing that he's the son of God, that he's equal to the father, and that he's the Messiah, that he's the one who was sent to give life and peace to his people, and that this story tells us that he's the true healer. Believe in those things and then living according to those things that Jesus is the one that can really truly heal you, body and soul. And so it's a call for us to, to keep turning from our sin, keep not turning away from Jesus, going back to the world like the man did. No, turning from our sin, keeping our eyes on Jesus, holding on to him and saying, heal me. Like, really heal me, body and soul. Let's come to God in prayer. Father, we come to you again just thankful that you're our God, thankful for the ways that you care for us, the ways that you provide for us. And yet we come to you confessing that we often take uh, those blessings that you pour out on us, those physical blessings, we take those things and are satisfied with the lesser blessing. And we turn our backs on you and, and go off and ignore the, the deeper blessing and the deeper healing of, of knowing you and drawing near to you and truly being healed body and soul. So Father, we, we confess that to you. We know that you don't pour out blessings on us only for the, so that we would walk away, that, but you pour out blessings on us so that we would come to you. So, Father, we confess our sin before you. We're sorry that we've turned away. We're sorry that we've taken your gifts and run off to do our own thing. And we ask that you would forgive us, that you would cleanse us, that you would really heal us, body and soul. And, Father, we pray that as part of that healing that you're doing in our lives, that your spirit would come, your spirit would fill us and, and convict us and strengthen us and empower us to, to walk by faith in this life, not just looking for the physical blessings of this world, but, but truly looking to the spiritual healing that you can do in our hearts and in our souls. So Father, help us to look to you. Help us not to settle for the small gifts and the small blessings that you offer, but to look deeper to the real healing that you can give. Because, Father, we really, really, really want to be healed. And all God's people said, Amen.